Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Your source for college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide. everybody, AJ Hodell, CEO and founder of the Athletic Scholarship Corporation, found on the web at www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com and ASE Sports Radio Network. Today I've got a special guest, and before we get to that, let's get some of the compliance things out of the way. As everyone knows, I always say this, that the coach on the show today is in no fashion endorsing or um, sponsoring or doing anything with our recruiting services or educational format. Obviously, this uh, interview solely for educational purposes only. And with that out of the way for the uh, NCAA compliance, Coach Rich Price, uh, University of Kansas Baseball, welcome to the show. Thanks, AJ. Now, let's talk, um, and I live, right now I'm in Cleveland, Ohio. That's where I was born and raised. But I actually moved to Wichita, Kansas. And I'm a football guy, but I know uh, about your baseball program and what you've worked hard and tirelessly with your staff and players to build. Could you give a little background on the listeners about uh, University of Kansas and its baseball program? Well, AJ, obviously we play in the Big 12 Conference, which is one of the five power conferences in America. Probably the best sport played in our league from top to bottom is baseball year in and year out. And you know, we've got some perennial national powers in our conference in Texas and Oklahoma State and TCU. And with that being the... Uh, the, the bar for where you have to be able to play at to compete in this great league that, uh, you know, we've made three NCAA tournaments during my time here. We preach overachieving as a cold weather team playing a warm weather sport. Obviously we have some limitations weather wise that the Texas schools do not along with the Oklahoma schools, but you know, we've had some success and we thrive on the opportunity to play against the best teams in America. Now, Kansas, um, University of Kansas, a lot of people know basketball school, basketball school, and dealing with going on our 13th year, helping student-athletes get placed, I have seen in uh, Andover, in, in that region, and you know the region, um, a lot of athletes, just their dream school is University of Kansas, and it's not just a basketball school. Um, how long have you been coaching there now? What's your, uh, your tenure? I'm, yeah, this is my 14th season at KU, and you hit it right on, AJ. I mean, our school is a basketball school through and through. The inventor of the game, Dr. James Naismith, has a statue out in front of the stadium. <laughs> and Allen Fieldhouse, the floor is named after him. Coach Self's won the Big 12 12 consecutive years now. He's won yeah. the conference title. One more year, he'll tie the legendary John Wooden for the most consecutive conference titles at a major university. And you know, we try to use that as a positive. I mean, we're never going to be a baseball school. If you walk into Lawrence, Kansas, it's basketball through and through. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the billboards, they have them tiered. I remember driving in, and they've got one billboard with one segment of the art and then number two, number three, and you go down miles, and it's a story that, that it's told. It's kind of creative, and, and the energy there from basketball, and I've had some football prospects go there in a football program. Um, let's go on to talk about recruiting what do you look for what's what's some of your main attributes that you look for in a player as you're recruiting them well i think for us 
being the underdog in our conference, we're looking for kids that are competitive enough to walk into Texas in front of 7,000 people and not be scared. You know, a lot of kids talk about being tough enough and want to play in that environment, but in reality, a lot of kids can't handle playing on that biggest stage. So for us, the first thing we're looking for is kids that aren't afraid, that are going to embrace those kind of challenges, and that are competitive enough to survive in, in a conference as good as ours. So it starts with the makeup of the student athlete, and it gets into the academic background of the young man. We recruit young guys with 3.0 GPAs that are qualified to get into our school academically so they will be successful in the classroom. And finally, the third thing is, is if we're out to recruit you and we're going to offer you books and tuition, our staff sees you as a future professional baseball player because that's the level of play in our conference that it takes to compete and be successful. Now, I know you had, uh, I think off the top of my head in, in, in research in your bio, 57 uh, drafted or professional players that you've been Yeah, that sounds, that's, that sounds right, AJ. And last, last spring we had five guys pitching in the big leagues. Uh, that's got to help. And, and again, um, you know, the, the information you're providing as far as attributes, it can't go across any stronger. These young men, um, obviously, I think the talent and the ability every year gets the developments higher and higher. you got bigger, stronger kids faster. But I think some of the work ethic or drive or the character um, it's something you just can't measure, and I think that's a challenge as a coach. You would probably agree that that's one of the intangibles that you just can't measure. It. It's not a, you know, it's not a speed or issue. It's, you know, how do you measure a kid's character? What, what do you think the recipe is for you guys? Well, for, first off, it starts with being thorough in the recruiting process, visiting with their high school coach, talking with their summer coaches, talking with coaches in the same league that we're familiar with and have associations with about the young man that may play for a different program. And then when we go out to watch, we go out and watch all the little things. What happens after he makes an out when he goes back in the dugout? What kind of teammate is he? How does he interact with his fellow teammates? And how hard does he run on down to first base? And does he sprint on the field, off the field? All those intangible things for me are going to separate the guy that has the skill set to play, but for whatever reason can't play at the level of his skill set. And you know, we're looking for those guys that are overachievers. And, and the only way you gather that information is talking to others, not the parent or the kid, right? Well, you can get you can get a feel for the young man, especially when you're recruiting him and when you get an opportunity to bring him on campus because mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that we do after they're done on an official visit, we sit down with their student host, hey, what do you think? What was his makeup like? How did he behave away from the coaches? Is he a fit for our program? Uh, so we have those discussions with their student hosts. So it really, that, that process, and, and I remember in the 90s going, you know, my, my student host, it was, it was kind of a party, and, and now it's totally different. You really do leverage those leaders in, in your baseball community right on campus to figure out what you have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and the, the guys that we have as student hosts, we take great pride in them as individuals and, you know, what they represent to our program. And, you know, the kids buy in. The kids buy in that there's a right way to play. There's a culture here for us to be successful. And when a young man comes to join our program, we make a four-year commitment to him. We're not one of those Division One schools that, that's a bus stop where we're running guys in, running guys out. Yeah. Is if you come to school at KU, we want you to stay four years. We want you to graduate. We want you to be a Jayhawk for life. So, you know, we have to do our homework in the recruiting process. Now, dealing with, you know, 57 players and, and continuing on, 
how involved are those individuals in your personal life and your program after? Are they giving back? Uh, I think that's one of the great things about coaching at a Midwestern University where the, the people, I'm a Californian myself, AJ, but mm-hmm. I think the nicest people in America live in the Midwest. They've got great values. You know, the kids that leave our program, the loyalty for what they receive from our athletic department, the experience they have, literally those kids leave here and they have a special place in their heart for the University of Kansas and our athletic department. And it's the thing I'm most proud of about being the baseball coach here is, is, is that relationship that they build while they're a student athlete at KU. And it's funny you say that because uh, a few weeks ago I was on with a soccer coach, um, Kansas, and one of the comments I made was just the culture and the walk of life there that I firmly believe that when you shake somebody's hand in Kansas, it's probably pretty darn good. I'm from Cleveland. You shake somebody's hand, you got to check for your fingers sometimes. Um, so, it, you know, it's just a different walk of life, and, and I miss that. I, I lived in Wichita in right right by the Koch brothers and, and, you know, went out there for a career opportunity, and it definitely learned some things about people and about, the, you know, just the speed of life there. I think people – still hold on and, and take time with family and it is different there and, and I, I think you probably get a good quality of a young man. Do you recruit all over the country? I would assume yes based on your recruiting profile. Yes, that's very true, AJ. I mean the reality in our state is we average six to eight players a year that get a division one scholarship from the state of Kansas that can play at Wichita State or K State or KU. Nebraska's three hours away from Lawrence Arkansas is five hours away, so you've got, you know, you got five major universities within basically a three to five hour drive, and you know we only have a little over two million people in our entire state, and there's more mm-hmm. people in the city of Austin than there are in our entire state. So, you know, it, it's an area where we have over 20 guys out of state on our roster, and that's the great thing about being in the Big 12, kids want to play against the best, and you get that every day you walk on the field here. Now, as far as compare and contrast to, obviously, your basketball program, and uh, they've done a great job there. Budget-wise, how supportive is the university, and and do you feel like you have enough capital to work with to really, you know, do a great job and canvas the country and find the best talent? Yeah, without question. You know, we have a very group of, a very loyal group of alumni, donors, uh, friends of our program. When I got here 14 years ago, KU had had five straight losing seasons in baseball, and we had one of the worst facilities in the country, and there was no commitment to baseball. So when they brought me in from the West Coast, they wanted to be successful in baseball. They were willing to finally make a commitment to be good in other sports other than just basketball. And we've raised over $6 million out of generosity of fellow players and donors to improve our facility, and now we have a first-class place for our players not only to play, but to develop their abilities. we got an indoor facility, outdoor cages, full field turf, a beautiful clubhouse now. I mean, it's a, it's a first-class facility 14 years later. How active, and, and I know at the D1 level and the compliance and NCAA and, and all the different rules I'm very familiar with, how active, um, and I'm sure you probably have a staff member that helps you with this decision process, do you use social media to measure character? Probably not as much as I should, AJ, just because I'm, I'm an older coach. I pride myself in being a, a player's coach. We, we run our program for the development of our individual players and for the development of our team. I'm not an ego guy. So it's, uh, 
You know, I'm good at my job. We run good practice. We're organized. I got good assistance. Uh, that's probably something that we're not as into as, as like our basketball program is because I know they use social media big time. I think it's relative, and this is just my opinion, I think it's relative to revenue-creating activities at a university. So when you deal with a big basketball or you deal with, like, Ohio State and football, the media outlets are going to be more attracted to find that breaking story, which is typically negative. It's not positive. So I, I think that's why you see some of those coaches in those environments dealing with football, um, you know, the revenue, big-time opportunities, the media is kind of, really putting a chokehold on it. And I think coaches kind of run scared. They got to watch everything they do. Well, I know our school does a really good job compliance wise of educating the student athletes on the perils of social media. And, you know, people are reading everything that you put out there and, and, and kids are normal 18 to 22 year old kids from time to time. They'll make mistakes and post something that shouldn't be mm-hmm. there to be seen, but it's being seen by the world. And, you have to be really careful. You have to make good decisions because it can literally come back and haunt those student-athletes years later is when they're job hunting because companies are researching what they post on social media. Yeah, and we do, uh, it from an employment standpoint, anybody we bring in into our organization, obviously we're consulting high school student-athletes and parents about this process and, and how to get max exposure. And, you know, we look at um, – people's social media in, in the employment world. You look at their credit, you look at the social media. So obviously it's relevant, and, and obviously I know your university works hard on educating the student-athlete and continuing being, you know, represent the program in the best light possible. Um, what is your, your, your take on camps and showcases? How instrumental are they in your recruiting process? You know, AJ, that's a great question. You know, I, I think one of the mistakes that, that young student athletes make is they're trying so hard to be seen that sometimes I don't think they go about the process the right way. And, you know, video is huge. You know, they have the ability through recruiting service like yourself to, to get video, to be able to download it, to send it to coaches that they're interested in. That, to me, can be like the first step in a program evaluating a young man's skill set is the video when you don't have access to see them in person. But then I think the second step of that is is for the student athlete to be seen in person by whatever programs they're interested in. And mm-hmm. most most schools will tell kids what events they're going to be at in the summertime. And, you know, I, I laugh when I get an email, and I'll just say Notre Dame because it's a national university uh, with great reputation academically. Uh, they've had some success in baseball. But if, I remember getting a, a letter from a young man like two years ago one time he wants to play at the University of Kansas, and he has his Notre Dame uh, camp evaluation attached to the, to the letter he sends me. <laughs> well, my first reaction to that was, hey, man, if you want to go to Notre Dame, go to Notre Dame. But if you want to go to KU, you should attend someplace where I was going to be to see you in person. And to me, that young man, he, he was trying to sell himself, but he didn't go about the process the right way. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And the problem with, a lot of these high school coaches, and I'm not knocking them, they're instrumental in the development of young men and, and baseball players. But a lot of them will go right to the adage that, oh, these camps are just revenue for the college and you don't have to go. And I, I tell parents that if you can, you know, recruiting services were great from a standpoint of getting a name out and building bridges. That's all we can do. We can't write deals. All we can do is build bridges. Um, right. But – if you can drive and get in the car and spend a little gas and spend some money and go to some camps 
get the experience, meet some coaches, get acclimated with communication verbally, you know, body language, just get in front of those coaches. I think that's another really good angle of getting, you know, your name out there and, and getting in front of people. Cause sometimes I know as coaches, we'll take a player that we will flat out say he doesn't, we can't check every box on the athletic skill set, but he's raw but there's something about that kid that I just really like. And you're going to have a relationship with this young man for four years. You're like a father, a second father of this young man. So there is a very important component of, of a relationship for the parents listening that you should be involved and not involved in a standpoint of pitching your kid and writing every email and, and doing the work for them. Let them be a young man. But also keep in mind that you know Coach Price potentially is going to be a very important part in their development. And I'm sure you would agree with that statement. Completely. Again, I'll give you a classic example that just sends great credibility to the statement you just made. We have a one-day prospect camp in the fall, and it's it's in late October, so it's after the major recruiting period of the summer. Most kids have already verbal by that point in time, but you know we offered four guaranteed roster spots to kids that came to our one-day prospect camp last fall. They're, they they all four of them qualified for some academic money at our institution. They're on no baseball money, but they've been guaranteed a roster spot and an opportunity to develop in our program, but they all came to our prospect camp, and I use my background as a junior college coach from developing guys. If they'd have been young men that would go to JC, they'd be a four-year scholarship guy out of, out, of a, out of a junior college program, but if they don't show up on our campus, those four guys aren't with us today. And I can attest to that because it's ironic you said that. I had a kid from Andover that was – Lights out, athletic, fast, good kid, um, you know, high, high moral kid, high academics. And it's just missing a few pieces to be a guy you would write a full, full ride for. And his passion was baseball. And we worked with him on baseball and football. And he had some D1 opportunities that he passed to go to your workout for that guaranteed roster spot. And I scratched my head. And, it, and I didn't get it at that time, but it's funny you brought that, that, that up because I'm firsthand experience had a young man go to that event and work out with you guys. And, and you know, on, ironically, it blew my mind because a lot of people just chase the, the mascot and the money and they don't look at what really makes them happy. Well said. You know, you got to spend four years there. And, and to parents, you, you know, go, go on a visit or, or go to the university and ask some of those tough questions. Um, obviously, you know, it's an intense process. When do you start evaluating versus hands-on recruiting? When, what, what age or what year in school do you, do you begin evaluating, gathering information? And maybe the kid doesn't know you're evaluating. They normally don't. And then when do you take it to the next level of actually recruiting them? Well, at, at the end of their sophomore season, we'll be out watching those summer teams play all over the country. And Prior to the start of their junior year, you're evaluating the guys that, quote, unquote, you think have the physical skill set that are can't-miss guys. And mm-hmm. and then in the fall of that process, you try to, you know, you can't contact them until school starts until September 1st. But most coaches will contact the summer coaches. They'll ask the coach to have the young man give them a call because you're not even allowed to email them until the start of their junior year in high school as well. But, uh, you know, it starts that soon. And then literally in the fall of uh, – a young man's junior year, a high-profile guy, will start getting offers from, from top 25 programs all over the country. Here's a great question that I'm going to love to ask you because you just said earlier you're kind of an old-school guy with the technology and social media and all that. 
Um, I had Coach um, Reed over from Toppin. We talked about he sits on the NCAA rules committee in Division One baseball. And um, Sherman Sherman Reed, he said, um, the texting thing is tough. And April 28th, they kind of opened the floodgates for the unlimited. How has that impacted you um, in dealing with prospects? Well, I think the interesting thing about it is it, it, in this day and age, every kid in America is texting. Right, AJ? Yeah. Okay. I, I, and, to have, and, and to have a, a sport where you weren't allowed to do it, to me, was just it was mind-boggling. Now, I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to protect the student-athlete from the coaches that got the GAs in football that are going to send out four texts a day to the top 100 prospects in America. I get all that, okay? But I just think the interesting thing to me is my own, my own three sons played at KU. They all graduated. They all played pro ball. But the interesting thing about the texting thing to me is my middle son, I'll call him. He won't pick the phone up. Oh. And I'll leave my voicemail. But if I text him, I get a response immediately. Yeah, okay? yeah, just, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the way kids are. Kids are exactly the same way. So I was actually glad to see him get into the 21st century and start allowing us to do those kind of things. How do you, and this is something I have a hard time, you know, if I'm at a college right now and I'm recruiting, how do you make that transaction work? I know it's the best way to get an immediate response, but I'm really an advocate of talking and verbal communication and really getting a feel for this, you know, the chemistry. you got to have that. There's got to be chemistry, and you can't measure that through a text. And, and, A.J., the reason I'm old school is what you just said, is that I don't even like email. I mean, I want to talk to you face-to-face on the phone so it's your voice and my voice, and we actually are interacting. And that's because you get a great feel for a student-athlete when you communicate with him on a regular basis. That's what I like about what you just said. I'm not a big fan of the texting thing. If I want to talk to the young man, I'll say, hey, call me, because I want to interact with him, and I want to find out if what he's about, if I think he's competitive enough to play here, how, how important is baseball to him, how important is graduating to him, how important is playing at the University of Kansas. And the only way I'm going to get that is have personal relationship. And that, and I try to build personal relationships. Yeah, and I agree 110%. What do you do with a kid when your office sends a questionnaire and you don't hear back? Where, where does the buck stop on that? We, he's done with us. Okay. It's, I know that I could chase that kid and I can get to the final five schools and pay for an official visit. But if I have to go out and, and hunt him, mm-hmm. he's going to pick another school when it comes down to the final three choices. So if, if I call you twice and I don't hear back from you, you're off our list. Do you experience what, and, and I don't really, you know, again, I'm with you on the old school. I don't get the, the Texas A&M issue with football players and prospects verbally committing and then saying, I'm still shopping. I mean, let's be honest with each other. This soft verbal, hard verbal, it's all verbal, and it's only as good as the coach's word or the player's word. So um, what, what's your take on, on these kids all of a sudden? I'm going to you know, decommit and look elsewhere because a coach called me out and said my loyalty's in question. How do you feel about this? Have you even heard about this stuff? I've, I've read it all, read it all, seen it all. And uh, to me, that's the worst thing about football and basketball is how early they're recruiting guys, how early guys are committing. And, that, and, and I read this even in our local football program in the newspaper. Kids will verbal, and then they keep taking trips. Well, yeah. that, that, that guy's not being loyal right there from day one, you know. So for us, basically, when mom and dad come into our office and I offer that young man a scholarship and it's, he stands up and shakes my hand, I put that money in our computer. I put that young man's name on our roster spot, 
and I expect them to honor a commitment or don't commit. Okay, so we actually have not experienced that yet of a kid decommitting. But when you shake somebody's hand, I'm still old school. Hey, man, that's just like you gave him your word. If you're going to break it, I don't want you in our program anyway. What makes me sick is I, I love the coach, a former NFL player that stood the ground and said what we all feel. And some people are afraid because the higher powers that will use Texas A&M as an example are all of a sudden afraid to speak up. And it's ironic because a few years ago, Johnny Manziel created a wreck there for public relations and no one stepped up and stopped that. But then you're going to reprimand a coach. And let's be honest, I think they forced their hand and made him publicly say, I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. I, I mean, we're raising some soft individuals and, and, and I'm always going to say that. I don't care if people agree with me or not. Um, I, I just felt like, wow, this guy said the right thing. I agree with him. And then the next day he's backpedaling saying, you know, I embarrassed the program and I should have chose better words. If they want to go somewhere else, let them. There's going to be plenty of athletes that are good quality kids that are going to work and understand they got to earn it and not just come in and be the man. Because let's be honest, when they come to University of Kansas, I'm sure it's a process and it's an eye-opener for a young man about the level of play. Without question. The right of entitlement is one of the worst things in athletics at any sport at this day and age. Oh, yeah, and then you get your kids and parents saying to the coach, uh, you know, you got the WNBA coach that coached girls basketball that kids are quitting and asking to get out of their scholarships, which, you know, the NCAA has strict rules about getting out of a deal and transferring. But to say they're too tough, I just shake my head. And I remember in 92 being a recruit, and every day, you know, my story is I'd go into lunch and there was a Marine recruiter at the table. He was there every day, and he would say, hey, if you don't go play college football or you don't get a deal, be a Marine, be a Marine. And I, I love the guy. He always acknowledged me. We had good conversation. And I said, I promise you, if something doesn't work because my family can't afford to send me to school, I'll, I'll do the military route. But I'm really vested in football. That's my passion. And I got lucky enough it worked out. But I'll tell you what, when I got to campus and the brochure and the trip was over and the coach had my tail, per se, there was no women. There was no stand up late. It was strict rules. And I remember two a days when I had to run certain times in almost 100 degree weather. Obviously, I got my drinks, but I remember saying, I wish I went to the military. I honestly thought that. <laughs> so, which leads me to a question for you. Going back as a, a former player, what was the toughest thing? And it could be high school, college, or whatever you know, you, level you want to talk about. What was the toughest pivotal point for you where you were really challenged? Uh, I, I think my senior year in high school, I, I tore my ACL in the final um, double-day workout of the fall. And and I had the, that, that first surgery 35 years ago when it was not common. And uh, it basically ended my opportunity to be a professional baseball player because as a middle infielder, if you're not super fast, you're not going to get a chance to play pro ball. And, at that point in time, I didn't realize the magnitude of it, but yeah, I remember them telling me I was going to miss, I was going to miss uh, baseball season as well. I was going to miss basketball and a baseball season, and and on December 12th, I started in the first basketball game of the year, and whatever they told us to do in the rehab process, I did double, and I still limped a little bit through basketball season, but I, I think that the, the, the every athlete's going to face some adversity at some point in time in their career, and how important playing to you is and how important playing at a high level is to that individual is going to dictate how successful they're going to be not only on the field but as they prepare to be successful in life and I think that's why so many businesses want to hire 
student-athletes is because they understand the discipline, the work ethic, the commitment, the teamwork, all those qualities that will help you be successful after the, your career is over on the field, you learn through athletics. And, and uh, that was probably the toughest time for me. And then I went to my junior college. Uh, I wanted to play at the University of Oregon. That was my dream. He told me to go to junior college after that spring, and I did. And I made the All-Oregon team, and he called me and Coach of the University of Oregon called me in and says, hey, you're still not doing this good enough, doing that good enough to play here. And So my sophomore year, I went back out. I was turning into double play, and those were the days when you could barrel roll like mm-hmm. Frank Robinson used to do. Mm-hmm. So I got a bad feed on a double play, and I got barrel rolled and uh, tore the ACL again and uh, missed that sophomore season. So I ended up playing at a smaller school than the University of Oregon, but I got to compete against them because they did those things in that those days. But I, I think all those little things end up making you – better coach down the road and to this day I'm glad it happened what's the toughest thing as a coach I don't know if there's one particular uh, event but what what do you would you say is the toughest thing you've encountered as a coach well I might say right now is is the Tommy John epidemic in our sport is just off the charts and you know I, I can tell these stories I just did this at the Kansas High School Clinic in January my three boys were playing in California and growing up, the way it worked was there was four weekends of uh, games on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you play two games Friday, two games Saturday, two games Sunday. And they're taking kids 10 through 12, and the, and the coaches are pitching guys three innings on Friday, giving them a day off, pitching them three innings on Sunday. And I remember going to the board meeting and say, as a Division One coach and saying, hey, guys, we need to look at the pitch count here and the days off. And what you guys are doing to 10, 11, and 12-year-olds, mm-hmm. you wouldn't do to full grown men in the big leagues and I and that happened that happened about 17 18 years ago well right now I got three Tommy John guys in my dugout and and when you research all that most of those injuries happen when they're 10 11 and 12 and they've got a partial tear and there's some point in time when it's going to finally completely tear and I have seen a rash of the Tommy John injuries in the last eight years that if we were football or basketball and it was happening and the national media was abreast of it, oh, yeah. there'd be all kinds of there'd be all kinds of pitching rules being instituted for high school and little kids, and that's the biggest thing I've seen hurting the game right now is the number of arm injuries that are taking place to pitchers. That's a great point. I mean, obviously everybody's on the CTE and concussion bandwagon with football, but you know, obviously in any sport you've got detriment when you wear the body down. Um, in closing, and, and I appreciate your time greatly and, and your travels, and I know you're a busy guy. Um, what's your best advice, best practices, advice to a parent in dealing with this recruiting process? Well, I think they need to focus on three things. Number one is the major the young man's interested in. You're preparing to go to college to be successful in life. So I think number one is you want to sit down with what your son wants to major in, what are his lifelong goals, and you try to pick a school that matches those goals academically, number one. Mm-hmm. And I think number two is, they need to sit down with people that can give them quality advice as to the level that they can play at. Everybody wants to play at LSU. Everybody wants to play in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. But there's, a, there's, there's an actual level that your skill set matches with. And I think that in order to have a great college experience, you need to try to match that level with what your personal abilities are. Okay? Uh, and then finally, I think parents need to sit down and realize that that they're going to make a contribution to their son or daughter's scholarship. How much can you afford? How much academic money do you qualify for? How much baseball money are you going to get? And then try to focus on those schools that match all three. And and then find the coach and the program that's the best fit. 
But I think if you use those three criteria, then you can visit those like schools and you'll find the perfect fit. So four years later, when you sit down with your coach in your exit interview, and the final question is, if you had it to do over again, would you still come to the University of Kansas? And if that young man starts, signs a pro contract, of course he's going to say yes. But if that young man's a backup for four years and graduated and says, man, I still had a great experience, I'd still come here, well, coach did his job. And I think that's what every parent's trying to find. You're trying to find that perfect fit for your son or daughter. That, that's great advice. Um, as far as getting a, not a hold of you directly, I know sometimes that's that's tough and you've got staff that help you know with communications. But on your website, I would assume for the listeners that are in the demographic or will travel that want to go to one of your camps, what, what are the dates, if you know off the top of your head, and where would you find that on your website? Yeah, it's on our baseball website, and you can go right under camps. Our all-star camps the, the last Friday in July. And, you know, my dad was a coach, and my both my uncles were high school coaches, and my grandfather was a high school coach. And like every kid, I wanted to play pro ball, and then when I was done, I wanted to coach. But my dad, the, the old coach, used to tell me, you get a letter from a young man, you answer that letter. So literally I get 4,000 letters a year oh. and I pride myself on answering every single one of them. And, and it's hard in this day and age of, uh, of email when you're getting the volume that we're all getting nowadays. But you know, I think part of that process is representing the University of Kansas to do it in a first-class manner. Coach Rich Price, University of Kansas baseball program. I greatly appreciate your time. The content was great. I know a lot of people are going to embrace uh, your comments and, and what you brought to the table uh, and spending time with us today. It's a pleasure, AJ. I wish you continued success. All right. Thank you, and good luck in this upcoming year. Okay. Thank you, buddy. Thank See you, you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide.